Well, good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Uh, today, we're going to jump into the second part of our uh, series that we're doing on stewardship lifestyle. Uh, got a lot of great responses from last week. A lot of times when people say, oh, you're preaching on money, you're preaching on... No, I, with me, it's never about money. Money, I started off years ago... Uh, being so poor, I couldn't pay attention. So, so it never, it never started with me years ago about money. Money just became eventually a tool that God could put into my hands with other tools that I had. When I first moved here years ago, I know it's going to sound strange because most of you, you don't go back that far, but nearly 20 or 30 years ago, I was known and was used in almost most of the funerals, revivals that were going around. Y'all know I used to go and sing at just about everything and function that used to take place. That's what I was known for. If they had a homecoming, hey, pastor, would you come and sing two or three songs for us? Would you? I know it sounds strange. I used to sing more than I did anything else. That was the tool. That was the tool. Back when I was on Bank Street working, paying my own self to preach, that was the tool that I had to walk through the next door that God had for me. So when I talk about stewardship, I'm talking about your lifestyle. I'm talking about using the things that God has given you right now and the things that God has put in your possession right now to how to be a better person, a leader, how to allow God to trust you more so he can put more into your hands. You may, you may be a person right now that says, well, I don't have a lot or anything like that. You can notice people around you who need help. I was noticing yesterday, and just in my heart, it just it just jumped out, and I wanted, uh, we, we were had the opportunity to spend some time with my daughter, and they were playing uh, softball, and at the end, a lot of the girls, you know, they're carrying the balls back to the bus, and they've got this, and they got bats, and they got, and I'm watching them, and I know that's part of their responsibility, and that's part of what they do, but in my heart, all I could think was, I need to, I need to get that. I need to get that stuff from them, and I need to take it to the bus. They don't need to be, I need to be the one doing it for them. Why? Because it's an opportunity to use what I have. What do I have? I'm stronger than them. It, it, it's, it's, I can walk. I, I, can, I can grab something. I can do something. See, in a stewardship lifestyle, you're constantly looking always for what's the next thing that I can use what I have to touch another person's life. Sometimes it's just the smile. Sometimes it's just telling them, hey, boy, I like that new outfit. Thank you. It makes their day. Whatever it is that you're doing, that's what God has entrusted you and God has given to you. And most of us don't use that. When we think of stewardship, we think, well, I came to church and I gave them some money and I, I'm through for the week. Now I can just be ugly and mean to everybody all week and I can just, I can just act, you know, act like I'm, I don't have anything because you know, I did my part, God. I mean, I'm faithful. God is, is wanting to see, can he trust you with what he's given you today? If you had to sit down and make a list of what God has given you right now, in your life right now, what do you have? What do you have? What abilities do you have? And so I want to talk today about a subject that's very important in connecting all of this. It's the understanding of being rich or poor. Or in the Christian world, it's whether poverty or prosperity. Both two messages are preached all the time. If you turn on the television, you're going to hear one preacher talk about poverty mentality and how money is horrible and how it's bad and how, how it's the, the devil uh, uses it and all this type of stuff. And, and, how, and then you turn on the other one and they're sitting in there with with. $500 or $5,000 suits, and they're talking about how God wants everybody rich and how God wants everybody to have more than they can. And, and, and they're on the prosperity side. And let me go ahead and give you some understanding. There's over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible on finances. There's a bunch of them on prosperity. There is a bunch of them on poverty, giving it away. And so you can see the dynamic that within a church body, depending on what preacher you listen to or what group you listen to, you're going to find a whole different theology about money or about stewardship or about giving. You can just go to talk to normal people who have any, 
And you could say, giving to the church. And somebody will say, yeah, oh, they want your money. Then you talk to somebody else and they'll say, boy, they, you know, they, they do a lot of good work with that. It's amazing how we can have just within this one area so much theology. But let me go to Matthew 6, Matthew 6 and verse 24. Let me read a few scriptures for you to get you started this morning with me. Because I need you to understand exactly how a stewardship lifestyle balances those two. How do you balance the two of those in a stewardship lifestyle? Let's read. This is Jesus saying, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or materialism. That's really what he's saying. You cannot serve God and materialism. Go with me to Ecclesiastes, the the wise man of Ecclesiastes in chapter 5 and verse 10. Here's what he said as he watched all that goes on in the world and everything that he sees. And he said, I have studied man and I have researched man. He said in Ecclesiastes 5 and 10, here's what he says. He who loves silver will never be satisfied with what? Silver. Nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is all vanity. He says, listen, let me just put it to you simply. There's nobody who's ever got something that didn't want more of it. There's nobody who had a certain amount of money that said, I got enough. There's no one who's ever tried to chase the materialism and he said, I've watched it and we're talking about one of the, probably the richest man that ever lived on the earth. He said, I have lived the lifestyles. I've sent out ships. I've brought in everything there is. I have tasted all the spices. I have done all the things you'd want to do. If you talk about want to find the right woman, he said, I have 400 of them. He said, what, what, what color, shape, size you want? He said, I have them. But let me tell you what I have found. There's nothing in this world that you will ever obtain that you will finally look at and say, that's enough. He said, it's all vanity. No amount of silver will tell you you've got enough silver and no amount of abundance you will say, I've got enough. Go with me to 1 Timothy 6 and 10. Here's what the apostle says to Timothy. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is him writing to Timothy saying, Timothy, I want you to have an understanding about wealth. There are some people that have walked away from the faith, so So there has to be something in faith that is different than what the world sees because notice how he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have what? Straight away. So there's there's an understanding of money and there's an understanding of finance. There's an understanding of abilities. There's an understanding of materialism that you need to get or otherwise it will cause you to stray away from a good understanding of your faith. If you stray, it's because there's something in your theology that's causing you a problem. And the way you look at money and the way you look at what you have or materialism is causing you to not see God in the correct way. So as we go through this, let's see what he's talking about. So now now much of this is correct when we talk about both sides. But go with me, and I want to just show you the two differences, how, how different they can be. Same writer in the Bible. Go with me to 1 John 2 and 15. 1 John 2 and 15. Same writer, same preacher. And here's what he says. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is what? How do you think he feels about money? He is definitely a poverty preacher, right? 
You can't love the world. Don't love anything of the world. Don't touch anything in the world. Don't mess with the world. Stay away from the world. Now go with me to 3 John. He writes another letter, just, just another letter, just a short time later. And 3 John in verse 2, here's what he says. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your souls. So now he says, listen, I'm praying for you every day that you'll, you'll, you'll be financially and, and successful and, and worldly stuff. I hope that you get a bunch of it. That's the same writer. Two different groups who use this, both writer different verses, to tell you two different theologies. Do you realize how much diversity or difference there is in the church when we talk about what finances or what your materialism is for? There's a bunch of it. So understand this. Let's go back to what Jesus said now, back to Matthew, and let's pull that scripture out one more time, and I want to show you something really important. So if we're going to break through this and understand this this morning, we're going to have to, to crack it down and see what Jesus was really talking about for it to change your whole way of living life. So, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now notice this now, the word serve literally means to be a slave. So turn to the person beside you and ask them, what are you a slave to? What are you a slave to? The word master literally means ownership. It literally means I have taken ownership of your life. So to, to be a, to serve something is to be a slave to it and literally to have it as a master means it owns you. So of these things, there are three things that he describes that you need to understand out of these scriptures before we go any further. Number one, that every one of you in this room has a choice. Every one of you in this room this morning has a choice. When he relates this, he says, you either choose one or you choose the other. It's not choosing you. It's not forcing you. God is not forcing you to trust him. And the world is not forcing you to trust it. You are simply going to have to make a choice, and that choice will be on your shoulders. You personally will have to decide which one. Now notice this, number two. Jesus is teaching us, number two, that whichever choice you make, it will have control. Jesus is teaching us that once you choose, you will be a slave. People that get up and work every day, Fuss when they wake up, fuss when they take a shower, fuss when they put their clothes on, fuss when they go to work, fuss they're not paid enough, fuss they have to stay too long, fuss nobody works as hard as them, fuss when they get their check at the end of the week, it wasn't enough, taking all these taxes, all this stuff, going to try to enjoy their weekend, don't want to think about it, and fuss starting next Monday going back again. But why do they do it? Why don't they quit? Why don't you quit? Well, if you're a slave to materialism, then you like the car that you drive. You like the house you live in. You like the food that you eat. You like your lifestyle. So therefore, you must live and kill yourself to whatever degree, no matter how much it takes, because that is living. You make the choice, but once you made the choice, it owns you. You become a slave to it. That ownership, you have absolute ownership over us and will be, not might be, 
will be in control of your life. Your upsetness about your life comes because there's an ownership that you don't like. Let me, let me say it this way. You can't serve both. You can't serve both because if you serve materialism, then what is Sunday morning? That's just extra stuff you have to do. You're already tired from all those other things that you did this week that are necessity. Now you've added something that you think of as not a necessity, and it's so hard to get up on Sunday morning. Now don't shout me down. I know you just want to jump up. Preacher, pastor. Some of you are like, yeah, that's me. That's, that's, I'm tired. I don't even really want to be. I don't. They hadn't told me I had to come. I went. Why? Because you've already been a slave to something, and now somebody's asking you to be a slave to something else. And what does Jesus say? You cannot serve both. That doesn't mean I don't work and I don't have to make money to pay bills. I like to eat. I have to eat something. I. Have, but you can't choose both of them as being the one that's the important one in your life. One will override the other. It will take control. And number three, understand this, that it will be what you have your confidence in. When somebody asks you to change, unless you have decided that this God is not working, you will fight for that God. You will get mad when somebody else tells you to serve a different God. If I'm a Christian and somebody looks at me and says, well, no, you, all, you, know, you need to be doing this, and man, you could invest in this, and, and I'm like, look, I, I don't want it. Well, man, you could make a lot more money if you did. I don't want money. It's not worth the sacrifice of what I have to give. I'm already a slave to, to God. I'm already a servant to the Lord. Doesn't mean I don't need money. Doesn't mean I have to, don't have to make a certain amount. But I don't wake up each day of my life with that being the criteria of me being successful. I'm not looking for new ways to give 14 more hours of my life away to try to earn a few more dollars. You ever get those things on your phone? It just like pops up and it says, oh, you can work at home just part-time and make 15 more dollars an hour. And I'm thinking, there's a part of me, though, that's like, man, 15 more dollars an hour. That's what I could cheer you. And the guy's like, is that what you want? I'm like, no. I get those all the time. And I'm like, I'm not signing up to do more work at home. I finally got home. Well, you're home. You just well to work some more. No. But your confidence will be in this. Listen, the word mammon, just like God in the original, is capitalized. I know in this one it's not, but in the original, God and mammon is capitalized. Because listen to me, one or the other will become your God. One or the other will become your God. It will become what you have confidence in. So, Look at what he says again. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, I'm not, he's not telling you I'm giving you advice. Jesus is not looking at you and saying, this is my opinion. This could happen. He's not telling you there's a chance. He is giving you a direct statement. When Jesus says this, he's saying, you will choose one or the other, and one or the other will be what guides and directs your life. One or the other will be what you fuss about, argue about at the house. It'll be what you plan your future in. It'll either be God or it'll be more stuff. When I ask you, hey, one of these days you're going to be where? One of these days you're going to be where? 
If I ask someone materialism, one of these days, you know, we're going to be, have enough saved up and we're going, to be in a, we're going to be able to slow down a little bit. We're going to be able to rest more and we're going to be able to... When we get there, when we get enough stuff and we get everything lined out, when we get the right house and we get it paid for and we get everything, then we're going to be happy. That's materialism. And that's your God. God says... If I choose God, where do I want to be? Well, one day I want to be to where I can use what I have more for the kingdom of God. I want to be able to give more of my time away or more of my energy away. I want to be able to help more people. There's a certain amount of living and working I have to do right now to feed myself. But I hope one day that I'm in a position to where I can use my skills and my abilities to do more good for the kingdom of God. Now, which one are you looking forward to? Can't wait to get more freedom where you can do more debt commitment to the church. You can give away more time. You can be up here when you're not doing anything. So that Mr. Tyler... Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite guys. Every Tuesday morning, he's up here. Sometimes he beats me. Not all the time, but sometimes he's up here before I am. And I'll pull in, and there he is. He's already, his pickup's already here. He's retired from, 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 from work. But he's not retired. All that he's done has given him the ability that now, because there's not ants on the playground, and, and, and the grounds are kept the way they are, and everything looks good when you come here, it's because Mr. Tyler, every Tuesday morning, pulls up in that pickup, and he starts walking these grounds, and he starts checking everything, and he starts making sure there's ant poison on everything. He makes sure everything's sprayed, picked up, taken care of. If something needs to be rearranged, he picks it up and moves it. And he may work here for two or three, four hours, and, 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 and he'll look at me and say, sometimes he don't even say, he just sneaks off. He's like, he's gone. I look up, his truck's gone. And I, and I live and I think to myself, that's what I want. That's the life I want. Now, Mr. Tyler, Tyler could, could go home and he, I could give him that app that I keep getting on my phone. I could say, man, Tyler, look, you could stay at the house and make more money. He's like, he's like Mm-mm. no, 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 no. Why? Because he didn't live all of his life to make more. He lived his whole life so that one day he could give more. It's a different life. It's a different reason for living. Let me show you a real thing. Two things that tell you who you serve. Let me give you two things that tell you who you serve. Number one, your calendar. All you have to do is look at your calendar. The time you spend... What do you spend your time doing? That's it. Now, don't understand. Here again, I'm making it very clear. There's a certain amount we have to work. There's a certain amount we have to take care of our family. There's a certain amount we have to do all the stuff we have to do. I'm not talking about, oh, I've just committed all my... No, I'm talking about the time that you have free, the time that you have available. What do you do with it? How do you invest it? What do you spend your time doing? And number two, your checkbook or your credit card now or your debit account, whatever it is now. It will tell me, those two things tell me more than anything else who you serve, who you give your time to, who you give your energy to, and who you give finances to. It's real simple. It's not hard. If you go home today and say, I'm going to find out who I'm serving, it's real simple. Webster defines materialism this way. It's the theory, it's the theory that physical well-being and worldly possessions constitutes the highest value and the greatest good of life. It's right there, if you want to write that down. Webster defines materialism as the theory that physical well-being and being Uh, well-being and worldly possessions constitute the highest value and the greatest good in life. Now, if I was to ask you this morning, are you materialistic? 
you would not stand up and say, oh, yes, Brother Lot, I serve money. I, I'm telling you, I serve money, and that's, that's what I want. I want more money. It's like the song says, money, honey. They say some things in life are free. You can keep them. I want money. That's, that's not what most of you, maybe a few of you, but most of you would not stand. Hopefully. But let me ask it to you this way. Because when the survey is put out, what is the most important things that you want? And they ask a materialistic world, here's what they say. Number one, see if this would fit in your thing. Good health. Could you put that top of your list? Good health. Well, that means that you're going to have to spend, instead of your time praying and serving God and trusting God for health, it means you're going to have to spend a whole lot on health insurance, and you're going to have to spend a whole lot with medicine. You're going to have to, oh, you're going to, have to buy that exercise bike that costs $2,000, and, and you're going to have to put that thing, and you've got to buy the video sets, and you've got to join the gym because you got to, I mean, you don't got $5 a, a, a week. You can't hardly come up with $5 a week to drop in the offering plate, but you give $65.99 every month to that gym that you don't go to three times. And you know why you do it? Because wealth is health. Oh, I didn't think of it that way, Brother Lot. I, I know. Well, let me, let me show it to you another way. Good health or an enjoyable job. I mean, whatever I got to do to fit into my job, I mean, bro, out there asking me to work this, and I know I'm going to have to miss more Sundays, and I'm going to have to do this and this, but, but I like my job. I want to keep my and I mean, to keep an enjoyable job, you'd just about sacrifice anything, wouldn't you? How about a happy family? Can't tell you how many times I hear people say, well, Brother Lot, we won't be there, you know, Sunday. I'm like, why? Well, we planned this thing with the family. And I'm like, Sunday's a long day. You ain't got two hours to carve out and say, hey, we're going to go by the church. And after church, we're headed out to go. See, it doesn't show up in, in the mindset of materialism like, I just want money. It's just that the things that I want are what's supposed to make me happy. Good health is supposed to make me happier, Brother Lot. If I enjoy my job, I'm a happier person. If I have a happy family, I'm a happier person. A good education, Brother Lot, you can go a long way with good education. Remember when they used to sell that to you years ago? Back in the 60s and 70s, if you had a college education, man, there was no stopping you. There's people flipping burgers this morning at Walmart and at, at McDonald's with college educations. A good education to get your head in life. It'll, it'll put you where you want to be. No. Most of the time now, all they fuss about is trying to pay back their student loan. Went to school four years, spent the first 10 years of working trying to pay back the loan. Peace of mind, Brother Lot, that's what the world says will make me happy if I just have peace of mind. Well, how do you get that? Well, you know, I've been watching this new series on Disney Plus, and it's been, I've really enjoyed that. Because if I talk to you about peace of mind, you know what you're going to talk to me about? What you went and did, or what you saw, a, a new series you're watching, and something that's, oh, you got to watch this. Oh, you got to watch. Man, it's, it's awesome. I remember when The Walking Dead or whatever was so big. Half my church would come in on Sunday mornings talking about The Walking Dead. Did you watch that last week? Oh, that's right. That's, that's awesome. See, this don't sound like materialism, brother. Lot. We're just trying to live life. No, you're trying to serve something that's going to give you life. Number six, good friends. This is what the world says they want. But the problem is, is that everything that they put on the list shows itself in the details that it requires money and finances and it requires work and it requires giving of all my time to have these things that are going to make me happy. There, there's nothing wrong with any of them. But the world packages them, if you, if you want these and you want to be happy, well, then you're going to have to give your life for this. And some of us in this room would shake our heads and say, I do. I give way too much of myself for these things that are supposed to make me happy, 
But I'll be honest with you, Brother Lot, if I didn't keep working and keep doing and keep trying to pay for it, it would end like this. Most of these things would go away in a second. Dish would call me in a few months and say, well, you're not paying us anymore, so you're not going to get to watch Disney Plus no more. <gasps> you don't like me? Oh, we like you as long as you're paying us. But life ain't free. Life ain't free. So let me show you this morning the three theologies that we have to wrestle with. Number one is the poverty theology you're going to hear preached all the time. And there's scriptures, and I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, and they're good scriptures. Let me just kind of give you a, a, a main one. If you're going to talk about non-materialistic, somebody who would hear what I just said and say, that's right, Brother Lot, I'm telling you, Brother Lot, this, everything about money and everything about this world and everything, I mean, you, you just need to shut it off. You need to turn off your cable. You need, you need to, you need to just, just, any, just, just get, pull yourself back. Get your Bible, sit under a candlelight, turn the electricity off, and just sit there and serve God. It's a bad world we live in. And they would use scriptures like Luke 18 where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and, 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 and he wants to follow Jesus. Lord, I want to follow you. And, and Jesus tells him to do what? Sell everything you got, son. Because if you're going to serve the Lord right, you can't have materialistic stuff. You, I mean, that, that's a powerful scripture. I've heard it preached most of my life. That rich young ruler walked away sorrowful. He had a lot of stuff, but he walked away sad because he left Jesus. And if you're from the poverty mentality, man, that gets preached a lot. Because you can't love money and God. You've got you to let it go. In fact, when you look at this, the prosperity theology then has its own scriptures and its own mindset of you've got to seek the kingdom first in the poverty it's always about God's will in the poverty. They have a preoccupation for daily needs. Prosperity is different, just on the other end. It's totally opposite. It goes to Matthew 7. It says, if you ask or you seek or you knock, if you have need of anything, what do you do? Ask, and you might get it. No, you will receive it. I've preached that scripture a thousand times when I'm, when I'm, when I'm fixing to lay hands on people and trying to build faith. And, and, and you've got to have on that side the same understanding. Those scriptures are in the Bible too. God didn't come to just give you life, but he came to give you life in abundance. He's come that you'd have an abundant life. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. That's scriptural. Man, they can pull out scripture after scripture and stand there and, and, and tell you that prosperity is what it's all about. One of the main things they will talk about, and, and this is, has to be careful because here again, it's scriptures we all use. You need to learn to plant a seed. If you, if you want to know somebody's prosperity, it will always be a seed. It, everything they're doing is a seed. You need to put a seed. You ever turn on the TBN and everything's about a seed? Hey, plant a seed in our ministry. And God will bless you. So when you're around the prosperity ministry, and it's, it's biblical. I've told you a multitude of times that there are four ways of giving. And, and planting seed, investing is part of it. But when I talk about giving, understand this, that I come from the stewardship lifestyle. So what's different about that, Brother Lot? If, if poverty mentality is all about just giving it all to Jesus and we just struggle along and we just, and, and man, we're, we're, we ain't got anything, but I mean, we're, we're good people. We're holy people. I mean, rich young people down the road, they just, just wicked. Then there's the prosperity. It's like, boy, if you're doing right and sowing your seed, I mean, you give your and send it in the form of a certain way. We'll send you the prayer cloth. And what, what, is, what is, Pastor, truth? 
Well, Jesus teaches it as a lifestyle. And I showed you the scriptures last week, but let me just give it to you in a simple form, what we talk about when we talk about a stewardship lifestyle. It means a trust. It's a trust that is given in varying proportions. It's, it's a trust. God has trusted you in different proportions in your life. And it is to you a privilege. Years ago, it was a privilege for me to go sing at every church. I could, if they asked me, I thought that was the greatest. People would say, we're having a funeral. Would you sing Beulah Land? Even today, people will pass away and say, Pastor Light, would you come sing Beulah Land? I said, I'd be honored to. It was, a, it was something God trusted me with. And 28 years ago, when I first started, before I preached 8,000 plus sermons, and my voice sounds kind of sounds like this when I get to going, back when my pipes were young, and then when somebody asked me, it was a privilege to use what God had given me, He had entrusted me to use for someone else. And as I've gotten older, now people call me to speak or call me to teach or call me to... It's still the trust. It's still a privilege to use what I have or what I've learned or whatever I've gained to help someone else. See, the stewardship lifestyle can be best described in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. It's the story of the three servants who the master gives talents. A talent is a large amount of money. To have one talent is not like getting a few pennies. It was a, it was a bag of money. So to have five talents, to have two talents, or to have one talent was a lot. And so we hear the story of one that was given five, one that was given two, one was given one of talents. And we know that one doubled what he had, another one doubled what he had, and then finally the last one he comes to and he says, well, what have you done? And he said, oh, I know how you are. You, you, you reap where you don't sow and, and, and you just, I mean, you're just one of those kind of people, man. It, your stuff just happens for you. And he said, I was scared I would lose it, so I buried it, but I didn't lose it. I buried it and I, and I went and dug it back up and here's your talent back. And he calls him a wicked servant. He didn't lose it. But he called him wicked. In fact, he took away what he had and said, since you're not going to use it, I'm going to take what you've got and give it to somebody who will use it. He said, those who have and don't use it, it will be taken away. And those who have and multiply even more than that will be given to you because you know how to operate in the kingdom. So as a stewardship lifestyle, I understand that principle that God invested a certain amount into me. If I can learn to be faithful with what I have, so people ask me, why do you work out? You're 54 years old. Because one of the investments God put in my life was my body. Now, he does not tell me i got to have a six-pack. Thank goodness. But he said, Tim, I've given you that. Now, if you're going to go eat and gorge yourself at every buffet, and you're going to go and be 60 pounds overweight and be obese, then don't get mad at me when no matter how much you want to be a part of what I want to do, you're in a hospital one day because you can't do anything. That's not my fault. I gave you something. Some of you have sharp minds. I was given a strong back. Not as sharp a mind. So I'm a hard worker. And I hope my body holds out. And I try to take care of it so it'll be able to do at 60, even what a lot of people can't do at 20. It's one of the greatest joys I have is going in there with younger guys and working out. And be able to just wear them out. Why? 
Because it lets me know I'm still taking care of what it is. that. But some of you who were given sharp minds, why in the world would you sit there and read some of the stuff you're reading or listen to some of the stuff? You, you know you're, you're an intelligent person. Why would you not constantly find stuff that will help you become better at the kingdom work that you have? God has given you a certain amount of voice, ability, influence. Don't waste it. Because let me tell you what will happen. If you waste it, the Father of glory will remove it from you and give it to someone who will use it. Ask Saul how it works. You're the king, yeah. But if you can't use it right, I'll find somebody over here who's taking care of sheep and I'll take it away from you and I'll give it to them. Because those that don't take care of what I have. So in my mind, always, always is this question. What have you received? Look at the person beside you and ask them again. What have you received? You see how it's not even about money? You see how when I ask you that question, you're already thinking of something totally different. Because your life is so much more than that. The world builds it into just that. It, that fixes everything. When God looks at your life, He says, you don't have to be wealthy or rich to be rich. Jesus taught His disciples, you want to learn to be rich? Oh, we want to learn to be rich. We, we, want, we want to be part of the kingdom. Good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into every town and I want you to preach the kingdom of God. And here's what I want you to do. Don't carry any purse with you. Huh? Don't carry any purse. Only carry one change of clothes. Only carry one ability of clothes. Don't carry no suitcase with you with a bunch of clothes in it. Don't, don't go in there in any way. You go in there just normal and just as normal as you can be, and I'm going to teach you what it is to be rich. How's that going to make us rich? Go do it. They came back rejoicing. Why? They said, oh, man, we preach. People let us stay at their house. Things took place. Man, we had, I'm telling you, demons were cast out. We, we prayed for people and watched them get healed. He said, and they were all excited. And he says, be thankful your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, just know who you are and that makes you rich. Not your bank account. Not what you, Just knowing who you are, you can walk into any room or any town with blue jeans or a suit, whether they call you reverend or bishop or they just call you Tim, you can walk in and know, I'm a wealthy man. I don't need you to approve me. I don't need you to tell me. I know I am filthy rich. And I knew back years ago when I, all I had was ability to sing and speak a little bit and Y'all don't know I'm filthy rich. Y'all just haven't seen it yet. And if every one of you in this room had that mindset that I'm filthy rich, God, who is my Father, is not only giving me what I have, but will continually keep giving me more as I prove myself faithful with what I have already. That's why the five turns into ten. Or the two turns into four. And that's why when somebody can't handle their stuff, God says, oh, I'm just going to give it to Tim. Tim will know what to do with it. So when we talk about stewardship, listen, stewards, they look at themselves as a steward and God's will is not known by possessions. Possessions are not what define me. It's not what makes me who I am. It's not who tells me who I am. It's simply in my life. Listen very carefully. They basically ask for wisdom and they put the high premium on being faithful to what God has given them. Being faithful and I put a high premium on using what God has given me. In fact, when people ask me about everything that we have and all that we've done, and if some preacher comes along, boy, God is... What do I always say? If you hang around me very long, I'll look at them eye to eye and I'll say, it's just a tool. Doesn't mean nothing. 
It's just like telling a carpenter, boy, that's a nice hammer. <laughs> it's a hammer. <laughs> but in the right hands, it can build beautiful things. And what God does is God chooses the right hands to put the right tools. So when people drive by and they, well, I tell you, they just, they, God bless them, and they cheating people, they got that cult out there on the third. No. We're just a church. Well, what's, what's different about y'all? There's not nothing we have. There's nothing we have, even ourselves, that is not a tool for God to use to grow his kingdom. And when you have that, Blessings take place. Our people get jobs that others can't. Doors open. That, and it's not because we're doing it. It's because God says, I can trust you. You're not wanting it for yourself. You're not wanting it to prove something. You're, not want, you're wanting it because it's the tool that will help you bring my kingdom a little further. And if you can ever get that, it will change your life. Real quickly, let me show you the problem with poverty and prosperity. Let me show you the problems with the poverty theology. In the poverty theology, there's a presumption that anyone doing well financially must, must in some way be dishonest. You ever get that? You hang around people that they come from that. Well, bro, boy, I tell you, all seasons or whatever, or whatever people you're around, well, God has really blessed them. Yeah, but if you knew them, man, you know hey, them people cheat you left and right. Anybody with a poverty mentality has the mindset that if you're doing good, you must be cheating or lying or stealing. And, and, and it, it's not even the world. It's the church people. It's amazing. One of the greatest compliments I ever got was from church people. We were we're growing and doing, and I'm thankful God's let us grow. And, and, and one group kind of got together, and, and they figured out why we were growing. They said, yeah, they let anything come there. And I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of what a church is for. I'm glad somebody let me come here. And in their own way, they were trying to, to figure out how it was happening. They said, they'll let anything go there. I'm like, yeah, that's what Jesus did. All you who are tired and weary, come unto me. They come by the thousands to see Jesus. And if we got any little resemblance of him, there ought to be at least a few hundred that want to see us. And so in our lives, the poverty mentality, the first problem is they always see anything doing good, there must be bad involved. Number two, the problem you have with the poverty mentality is it exaggerates the role of sacrificial work. Let me explain. Basically, the person that's in poverty theology has made a sacrifice. They've made sacrifice almost their God. They'll brag about their sacrifice. Well, brother Lord, I tell you what, I had never done any of that. Well, good. I'm glad God kept you from it. Well, brother Lord, I tell you what, I've, I've never been, over, and I've never done this. To... Poverty mentality, they're always going to build up their sacrifice. They're going to brag on what I haven't and what I've chose and what I... Number three, they're always extremely naive. They, they have, they'll say things, you know what, pastor, we shouldn't relocate. What we ought to do is take all the money and give it to missions. I've known churches that could have grown that are gone now. They're gone. There are churches that I know of that are gone. Not, not, not down to 10 or 20, they're gone. They're non-existent. That at one time would give thousands, 30,000, 50,000, give thousands to missions. Because somebody told them, give to missions, man. Get, and, and every year they get a plaque. And buddy, they were doing it. Boy, they'd get a pat on the back. Boy, you doing it. 
And I would think to myself, y'all the biggest idiots in the world. Why, brother? Why are they giving to missions? I mean, that's, that's... No. The problem was they were so naive that they didn't understand that if you give it all away and you don't invest it in your kids, in your church, if you give it all away, then eventually you're going to have what? Nothing. One of the biggest fights I get into is, is, is even with my own group sometimes. And I give to missions, and I give to all that, but I'll get calls because we're, we're, we're a healthy church, so I get calls. Run a lot, we got this project going on over here in this country, and we're trying to build new churches over there, and we're trying to get, if you give $10,000, we could build a new church. And that's a real quick conversation. Nope. Well, I want you to pray about it. No, no need to pray. Nope. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because God called me to Forest. And when I moved to Forest, we couldn't give anything to missions, and nobody called me. In fact, I wanted to call y'all to ask y'all, would you help me pay my light bill? Which would never have gotten through. You would have not wanted to pay it. You didn't have any money. But now that I'm, I'm a little better, I get the calls. And let me explain how the process works. If I focus on growing my church and growing my people and growing, then over time I'm going to give more. See, there's a percentage that we give that goes directly to missions. Do you know I got a, a plaque a while back? Wasn't even trying to get a plaque. Got a plaque of how much we had give to missions, thousands. And I looked at Elise and I was like, I don't remember doing that. But what it was is our percentage had kept going up so much, we became one of the better mission givers simply because we had a healthy... Now, for our state, because we're a healthy church, we have provided a place for their kids to come. Does this make sense? See, in poverty mentality, you just, it's just all about, it's naively, just give it away. Just, just, just give it away. Just give it away. In a stewardship, I'm responsible. If that was the case, when he gave each one of those stewards a certain amount of money, he would have come back and they said, now what have you done with my money? I gave it all away. What do you think he would have looked at them and said? You lost your mind. You gave all my stuff away? Yeah, we just we 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 just trying to help folks. Number four, it can become a manipulative lifestyle. Now I, I'm preaching all this, and I'm not being hard and heavy, but listen to me. I'm preaching all this because when I moved to Forest twenty something years ago, can I tell you the lifestyle that we had? Poverty. We were in a poverty mindset, buddy. We were we were knee deep in poverty. We were poor, we planned to stay poor, and didn't want nobody messing with our poor. And here I came along and God had told me, we're going to move, we're going to build a building. You know how that went over? Like a lead balloon. It didn't fly. For five years we fought against it. Finally had a church split over. Bought land. Can't believe we're going to do it. I told you we were going to do it. Yeah, but I didn't believe it. We thought you would leave. I told you I wouldn't leave it. I told you we were going to build. Yeah, but I didn't know you were telling the truth. Yeah. Because listen to me, it can become a manipulative lifestyle. Listen, but what it's, I'm saying is if you're not careful, even in friendships, you have nothing or you're a poverty theology person, you are not, if you're not careful, you'll begin to use your friends to keep you going. I see it happen all the time. It's, one writer said it this way. I saw someone like that one time in, in one of his churches. 
They came to the house. They were getting ready to go to New York, he said. And when I was living there, uh, the pastor asked, or this person asked, who was a traveling evangelist, he asked him, he said, can I, can I, can I leave my stuff in my truck here? And the preacher was like, sure, why do you want to leave your stuff? He said, well, I'm fixing to do a, a tour through New York. And he said, I'm emptying out my truck because, because if I have my truck full, they won't give me stuff. And he says, as I'm going through, then they'll give me more stuff. But see, in poverty mentality, that's the way you think. You play poor. Y'all, we, we need your help. I'm telling you, we need people to give today. I'm telling you, we got needs and we got... I know none of y'all ever grew up in any of this. I did. It was like, you know, we just... If we pull together... I mean, some of y'all went to churches where they gave it... Like, I remember going to a church one time with Elise and... And in, in, inside the bulletin, it was even in red that, guys, we are, we are, our budget is being busted. And I'm thinking, that's depressing. To get red-lettered bulletin every, every week, we are $35,000 in the red. I'm thinking, that's bad. And then, and then Elise looked at me and said, I know this situation. She said, they got millions in the bank. She said, they just do this to try to pull more money from people. And I'm thinking, that's a depressing way to run a church. But you know, that's the way we live. Now, I know I've been hard on the poverty mentality. Let me be just as hard on the prosperity. In prosperity, here's the problems with it, if you're not careful. It becomes a sign of God's approval. Because if you're not wealthy and you hadn't made it, then you've done something wrong. You're just not as blessed as I am because, because if, if you gave the $39.99 and you'd done everything right, guess what? Boy, you'd be blessed. God wants to bless you. God wants to pour out blessings on you. God wants you. And so if you're not careful, prosperity becomes a sign of God's approval. It's an arrogance. You ever hear them on TV? There's an arrogance and what they have. My airplane. My this. I'm like, no, it's just God's. I sure hope you're using that tool wisely. The second thing it produces is guilt. Because if, 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 if you're doing good and you are being blessed, then what happens if something don't go good? What if you're a faith healer and your son dies of cancer. What's the problem? You didn't have enough faith. If you'd had enough faith, it would have happened. You must be doing something wrong. It creates enormous guilt. Because let me tell you about life. You're not going to get everything you want. And everything's not going to work out right. And if you're not careful, if you're any, any normal, the moment it don't happen, the first question you ask yourself, what did I do wrong? And if you're in the prosperity, you must have done something wrong because God doesn't do bad things and bad things don't happen to godly people. It is all about blessing. It's all about, and you'll hear your phrases like this, I, I must not have served God some way. You'll hear a phrase like this, well, I don't, I must not have had enough faith. Number three, it creates wrong motives. If you're not careful, you'll serve God strictly for the blessings and nothing else. Why did you give the $39.99? Because I'm supposed to get $399.99 back. He said I'd get it 60, 100 fold, pressed down, prone together, running over. Oh, is that what he told you? Hmm. If you're not careful, it will produce in your life a mindset of wrong motives. So I give only for the purpose of receiving. I want to read this statement this guy writes, and I love this. Here's what he says. He said, let me tell you the difference between tithing and seed planting. 
You see, the prosperity people see planting a seed, plant a seed. Here's the difference, and it's very clear, and it's very biblical. Tithing is initiated by God. Tithing is my obligation to God. It's God saying, you owe me. Don't get aggravated when I preach on tithing, he says. Go talk to God about it. It's in the Bible. It's a biblical Christian understanding. Grow up, mature. God said tithe. Seed planting is initiated by you. Seed planting is initiated by you. There is a word of difference. Seed planting is where I say, I think it's a good idea for me to give to somebody, and if I give to somebody, you'll probably get a return back out of it. You see, tithing deals with what you have. Seed deals with what you want. God says, be faithful with what you've got. Whatever you've got, be responsible for it. He said, your purpose is to be a steward of it, and your purpose is to give me my fair share of it. He said, that's what you've already got. That's what you're responsible for. Seed planting is where I'm trying to get more. And there's nothing wrong with seed planting. I plant seed all the time. But listen to me very carefully. As a steward... It is my faithfulness to what God has given me, not my trying to manipulate to get more out of God. Now, I know this is not exciting, and this is not, my leg's not kicking, and we're not. But if you can understand this understanding, it will change your whole life of how you live. It will change everything about what you do and, and the way you live and, and what's important to you and what you consider important. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to sum it all up with one question. And it's the question that we have to ask ourselves as stewards every single day. It sets us up for our future. It sets us up for blessings. It sets us up for God to trust us. It sets us up. It's just one question that I have to ask myself every single day. And I want you to ask it to yourself right now. Ready? What am I doing with what I have? I'm not asking you to do with what you don't have. I'm not asking you to give more than you have. Of your time, your life. I'm not, God's never asked me that. There's one simple question I have to ask myself every single day. If you want to know why this is here or I'm here or all, all the stuff over the years we've been able, it's one simple question. When my eyes open every single morning, whether it's my health, and i got to get up at 6 and go work out for 30 minutes to an hour. Or whether right after that i got to go drive a tractor or fix something or stack wood or whatever i got to do. Or whether I have to run to the hospital or whether I have to preach a funeral or a wedding or, a, or go visit someone. and Whatever it is, multitude of things. My job description is long. But it all comes down to one simple statement. Tim, what are you going to do with what I gave you today? You got time to call that person that needs encouragement? Then what are you going to do with what I gave you today? 
And the answer to that question, with whether what you read, what you listen to, what you spend your time, it'll tell me where you're going to be in five years. Because he gives seed to the sower. And I use this illustration all the time, but it's, I'm a simple person. I throw what I got, and I reach back, and I say, God, I got no more. And God fills it again. And I throw it again. And I take another step, and I reach back, and I throw it again. And for nearly 40 years, I've just been stepping and throwing. Stepping and throwing. Giving somebody a smile, compliment, a scripture that they can use that day, a phone call. God says, you need more strength? I do. You need wisdom? I do. You need the right word? I do. I give seed to the sower. I hope more than anything else that you learn the stewardship lifestyle. Not poverty, not prosperity, just a lifestyle. One that will change your whole life. One that makes you faithful in the money, but faithful in all the other areas. And you begin to see the goodness of God when He trusts you. That's my prayer. Will you bow your heads? Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You for Your presence in here and thank You for Your wisdom. I hope that my people understand this. Why they're here. Why God brought them at this moment and this time. Gave them their talents and their abilities and what they can do. And I pray that God, like that servant who buried it, I pray they won't. They may say, but it isn't much. It's just one. That's okay. You're not compared to the five. You're just compared to what you were given. God, don't let us bury it, but let us invest it. Let us multiply it. So that when we meet you, you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, my servant. Father, that's my prayer. In Jesus' name this morning, amen and amen. God bless you. Give that old devil fits.